Oh, hi, Jason Klom here. And a cat you might be able to hear purring in the background because she's sitting on my lap as I record this. This is part two of the Paul Sims interview. Uh, the only reason I mentioned that, you already know that from the title, but um, those who maybe just get it downloaded, maybe don't pay attention, just starts playing. But also, it's just going to cut off. It's going to cut off at, at seemed, what seemed like a logical place and not a place where I said, hey, let's take a break. Um, so just, just so you have a heads up, uh, that's uh, that's why I just kind of, uh, you know, it, it ends on a on a and the end of a story uh, at a, at a good point. The cat just jumped off my lap. Jesus. Uh, anyway, so uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. It was a lot of fun. At one point, um, something comes up that is a, a very kind thing, and I uh, of Paul Sims to do. And uh, the only thing I will say because I don't want to give anything away is sweatshirt. I'll just say that. Um, so anyhow. Uh, enjoy this episode. It's super fun. There's one more to come. Uh, we are going to continue to skip episodes. It's uh, easier that way uh, in terms of uh, editing and getting people's stuff out. Um, and uh, we should have an episode on time next week. I make zero guarantees uh, based on a scheduling thing that's happening, but uh, we should have a regular episode next week. Uh, that's about it. Please enjoy this episode of Dispatches from Fort Awesome. <laughs> I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza, I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Hi, we're back. From the pee-pee break. From the pee-pee break. <laughs> All right, hold it. Yeah. I'm taking control of the podcast. Okay. Oh, time for the ceremonial presentation of... Uh, you guys probably already... You probably already have this already. And sure. I only had one size, but I got three of them. The official... Whoa. What? No. This is the official cast and crew gift from 1990. So I get to cry. Thanks for... Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Now I get to cry on my own podcast. Oh, my God. Yeah, put up a picture on the internet so people know. Yes. And, he, and probably actually have Josh Lieb to thank for that, because he was going through his storage about a year ago, and he found a few boxes of those. So awesome. and And he's like, do you want these, or should I throw them away? I'm like, I want them. And then they he sent them to my house. My wife is like, why do we have these boxes and boxes of sweatshirts? <laughs> of so those sweatshirts, uh, they're all large, because that's the only size I had. Nice. And I can gain weight. I'm no. trying to think. <laughs> just stuff your shirt. I'm to, I was always a little disappointed in those sweatshirts because I wanted them to, to look sort of college-like, and I felt like the logo was a little small. But oh, whatever. Really? Who, you, which, which, uh, that's literally a, so that's like a, what is that, a 20, yeah, that's like a 20-year-old sweatshirt. I thought you were going to say, that's like a $25 sweater you've got there. If Mike Reisner can make a little money selling you, <laughs> right, right, right. so uh-huh. I'll just send you guys a bill for them. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. This is very nice of you. As, as yeah, you yeah. point out, I, I had one of these uh, at my uh, alum of University of Minnesota, but they're actual stitching was also this small so maybe i got a knockoff and i didn't yeah. know it oh <laughs> but this is great thank you so this much so yeah you're welcome yeah. and my wife thanks you too for me getting some of these <laughs> these boxes of sweatshirts out of that house jen had a question what was yes. your question oh um i wanted to know if you still play any video games yes non-stop i mean uh Yes, I just finished um, Mario versus Rabbids, and before that, I finished Mario Odyssey and had 950 Power Moons, and before that, Holy I played the new Legend awesome. of Zelda. Oh, I'm and jealous! I'm gonna play I that. 
disappointed my son because I've been out in LA for about two weeks and I brought my Nintendo Switch with me and I played a game <gasps> called Tiny Metal, which is a lot like the Advance Wars games you used to be able to play on the Game Boy. And uh, <laughs> at home, I have the Switch, I have the Xbox One, I have the PlayStation 4, and I have my iPad. And uh, <laughs> it's nothing changes, folks. It's <laughs> still, and now finally, my kids are old enough to be able to play also. Yeah, pretty good. But I do remember when uh, I think it was when Grand Theft Auto 5 came out, they were tiny, they were like two and three years old. And mm. we'd be walking down the street in New York, and you'd see a billboard for Grand Theft Auto. And my daughter would go, Look, that's daddy's game. <laughs> and we play a lot of the Lego games also. Oh, those are fun as shit. Yeah, they're I don't really play video fun. games, and but I play those. Kind of have funny moments in them. How too. can you like Lego and not play the Lego video games? I uh, know I do. Those are the only oh, video oh, games yeah. I will play. And the I want to play Cuphead. You play I the really Dimensions. Play Cuphead, Cuphead I've heard, is very... I mean, it looks hard. great, but it, mm -hmm. but I've heard it's really hard. That's what everybody says. Yeah. But the, the, Le the Lego games... Now this is really a different podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Lego games were best early on when the characters didn't talk at all. Oh, they talk now? Yeah, they yeah, now because now with now it's like Lego Marvel oh, Avengers sure. or whatever, and they take sure. the dialogue from the movies, and it was much more fun when they were just gesturing mm -hmm. and recreating scenes yeah. that you knew without talking. Okay. So yes, I still play video games. Speaking of Legos, one of, a writer of one of the Lego movies is going to do our podcast, this podcast, because he's such a big news radio. Who? Uh, I'm going to be the asshole who forgets his whatever. name because he just wrote he he wrote. He wrote one of the Lego movies. Oh, that's, that's all I'll cool. say. But I'll, I'll, well, I'll well, find well, his name. As you're looking really quick, uh, <laughs> if you played the new Doom game, that's my question. If you yes, guys played yes, Doom back then, yes, because we played so much Doom uh, back then. <laughs> the new, I, I, it was, it was okay. I mean, yeah, look, my memories of Doom are feel. so much tied in with having two TVs next to each other and two PlayStations linked, and us playing. Um, I even found. Someday, maybe I'll send you guys some of this. I was recently digitizing all my own home video footage because mm -hmm. I had a home video camera since 1989 or so. And I found nice. pictures from our great Doom, news radio Doom <gasps> tournament. Oh, my God. At the end of, I think it was season three or four. <laughs> it's it's so silly, uh, but it makes me so happy to watch it back. Of you know, we had brackets and everything, and watching two people play, but all the other writers and the PAs and everyone in my office all watching, you know, mm -hmm. like intently. And then someone scores, and everyone's like, "Oh sh shit!" Right? <laughs> Whatever. Um, but that was fun. Who won? Do you remember uh, that tournament? I would. I got to assume it was Lou Morton because he always was the best. But I do remember there was a there was a big, uh, like a big final match might have been the semifinals between me and Brian Kelly, that got so oh I remember everything about it it got <laughs> so uh, uh, it was so close and it got so tense at one point we both had to pause and I like took off my shirt because I was sweating too much and we both had to have a cigarette <laughs> and we we're sort of pacing around like it was halftime. Um, Oh my god! That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and I won that one. I remember with a double double shotgun shot, which was insane because he had such better weapons than me at the time. Anyway, but that's all in the past. <laughs> we need Amazing. a Doom podcast now. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal. I. Uh... All right, we've asked you your favorite. Well, no, you. We, I, I kind of like the the path we were on. Earlier yeah, that was a good the, path. The, the the ones where we were talking about our favorites, and then you just say, "Yeah, that was a great one," and then ah. give us more information about it because uh, there's tons. Okay, so we talked about the cane a little, smoking arcade, which arcade, by the way, the one of the reasons I love that so much is it like it's it's weirdly grounded, but also in I think in every story in it, there's a, a touch of almost supernatural. It's this <laughs> close to supernatural, but it's all just in their own fucking heads every yeah. time. Doesn't like, 
Arcade has the sandwiches too. Yeah, right? yeah, Arcade's the sandwiches. Oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. That's why it's my favorite. And the, episode, and the right? crushing the like glimpse into Bill's childhood. Yep. As always. they always are crushing. They're always yeah. crushing. They're terrible. I love the sandwich thing, <laughs> and I and, and it was it was uh, Phil himself who during rehearsal came up with it, when he goes, uh, "Did you dye your Did you dye your hair?" And he goes, "Yes." And then Dave goes, "All your hair?" Yes. <laughs> that was Phil came up with that. So great. You yeah. know, so people people talking to the you know I will say in the commentary they said yeah that was based on our real sandwich machine. Was it just a prop sandwich machine that was sitting there with real shit or an actual sandwich machine? I don't remember. Okay. I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely yeah. right. They're allowed. Now make something up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Alan, what's your? Because we've talked about. You know, it. I mean, I mean, definitely Kane Arcade. But uh, just recently, because we revisited uh, Airport or whatever, mm-hmm. I just love the whole dynamic between Bill and Dave. There, I refresh <laughs> my memory. There's, uh, there, they're stuck in the Midwest. Yes, I believe it was the St. Louis, right? St. Louis, yeah. They're snowed in. Yeah, and, and Bill can't help but being like an even bigger jerk than he normally yeah. is. It's because I also. Uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota, so like the first thing I would get whenever I came out here, I'm from Minnesota. People go, "Oh, Minnesota! Yeah. It must be so nice." Yeah. So it was just funny to see that, and then the Midwest guys just punch him in the end in the stomach. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like, now I remember that <laughs> and him faking kindness and it actually yeah. working, and him yeah. forgetting. It, it's it's kind you couldn't of tell when he was me. being like condescending and then genuinely nice, genuinely, genuinely yeah. nice. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> another one people like that I like. Was the uh, one where uh, I don't even remember what else happened in the episode, but where Bill got had the piano and was doing the <laughs> yes. so amazing. That yes. one was so silly and funny, and it was also it was something Joe Fury and I had joked about for years since working at Letterman, which is mm-hmm. always like when you want to do have a character sing a song or do a song parody, some producer will come to you and go like, "That's going to be you know fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars to get the rights to that." Um, so can you use public domain? And you sit there and look at the list of songs that are in public domain, and it's all like nursery rhymes, mm-hmm. like row, row, row your boat and whatever. <laughs> and so Joe and I just sort of leaned into that and decided if they're going to be dumb songs, it'll be the dumbest dumb <laughs> songs ever. Oh, Bill Clinton. That was the one where, that's the one where he goes, uh, Joe wrote all those. They were so funny. Great. When Johnny comes marching home again, he's gay. He's gay. <laughs> so good. That's um, all I've got so far. <laughs> oh, there's so many of those. Oh, you know, somebody actually, I do remember this from Twitter. Somebody did ask, uh, just are there any other like Letterman the in jokes that originated in Letterman that ended up in news radio that we might not know of because we know that that's one. Um, big day. Mm-hmm. I must have talked about that in the commentary. Our, it's mentioned once. Our yeah. old friend Jerry Mulligan always talked about this crazy guy he saw. When he would walk from the Port Authority to Rockefeller Center, who would just be going, big day, big day, and never knew what it was about. And I, it was one of those jokes I sort of put in there just hoping Jerry would watch it and go like, ha, 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 they, you know. It started, like it started as a way to amuse Jerry, and then I was like, I guess we should build a story around it. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to think if there was any, I mean, there were, there were things that weren't jokes, but... And like I said, you know, so, so many people make shows these days and like it's all based on my life and we dig into it and often it's kind of boring. But we would use our own experiences and then heighten it or make it something more interesting. But I think there was a there are two sort of overall aspects of the show that I would say were were based on my previous life. One was sort of making the transition from being an employee to being the boss, mm-hmm. because anyone who works anywhere sits there going like this fucking boss of mine like you know i could do this so much better mm-hmm. and then when you 
end up being put in the position of being the boss, you're like, oh, this is a nightmare. I would rather just be the employee you can walk in. Just the idea of managing people. Everyone, which is the beauty of life, everyone has their own things they want and their own agendas, but having to, to manage that and know who's in a bad mood today and who's jealous of who else and all that. That was sort of, when I go back to talking about the like empty white room theory of the show, that was a thing. Is It was a guy, just the relationship between, between a guy trying to manage different personalities and mm -hmm. and how difficult that is there's that aspect and i think in the original the early especially the early dave and lisa relationship stuff um was was about two different uh girlfriends i'd had who i'd met at work where we both worked at the same place and exploring all those explore this sounds like a network pitch now i want to explore <laughs> no but but the, but basic stories on those awkward things like you know trying to show up at work at different times so no one knows that you're together mm -hmm. and when do you tell everyone you're together and who's that's that gonna upset um so i had a wealth of that stuff to to deal with and work out on the show and as as it was, of course we must have talked about in the commentary is the dave and lisa not <clears throat> not doing the well, they won't. They mating dance. Having yeah. episode two, they sleep together and then have to figure it out from then on. I think was just felt realer and funnier, and also just and Jimmy Burrows was one of the people saying, "You got to do the mating." That you're, mm -hmm. you're, and I was like, "Well, that was Cheers. They already did it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. what's the opposite of that, that for a really long time? Yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah. Was I'm gonna guess that's not the first time that was done on a show, but it's the first time I remember. I mean, can you think of a show that tried that? I don't think there must have been some variations of two. I feel like even on Cheers, there must have been something about two people hooking up who weren't prepared to hook up. I don't know. Sure. Mm. But I mean, as yeah. the two main, you know what I mean? The, yeah, that the does two... completely tweak the dynamic immediately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I've always loved it because you've got five seasons of a show. Of course, ideally, it would have been more for all of us involved. Mm -hmm. involved yeah. uh, us viewers at home. <laughs> but the, but, the, there, but there's, there's, there's so much to watching their relationship develop as much as anything else. Yeah. Even to her going on and having this insane marriage to the king of the homos. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about that even that season five is, you could just treat that as, as it, it's in its own universe in that that could be half in Dave's head that he imagines <laughs> yeah. that there's no, even I'm so little to her that he's just gone and she's just gone and married to King yeah. of the Hobos. Yeah. So I don't know. And again, that's complete conjecture, but I, I love the idea that that, that could be, where it goes and their their relationship is just as great as dave's downfall is which is yeah. one of my favorite parts yeah of the show. that is really good <laughs> that uh you were mentioning season five that uh that stress ball machine into him getting that machine that was one of my favorite yeah. things oh, yeah. God, i forgot about that, that was when great. him and jimmy were just sitting in the his office like going back and forth like, oh. was the <laughs> was all the db cooper stuff was that season five season or did five, we start that earlier yep. people have been emailing me recently because there was some news story about they think they found the real db cooper really and, again yeah again <laughs> um yeah that was funny i didn't know that did you have another i'm sorry I feel like you had another question. No, I was just listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been like softly cradling myself. <laughs> I know. I mean, I do have a couple, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow. No, anything. you're fine. What flow? Uh, yeah, I right? Know, That's whatever. also a very good question. Uh, so, uh, you know, as as a writer, do you have any um, like favorite ways to torture characters or <laughs> or favorite characters to torture? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I mean, well, maybe <laughs> it's it's that also goes back to my pretentious white room thing is it's just like character you character people in conflict is 
comedy that's the basis of all comedy and yeah. drama you know what i mean i mean and, conflict makes things interesting yeah and and when you see something where there's no conflict and you go like this, nothing really seems to be happening here yeah. that's that's when you know that there's been no i mean part of, you think about it uh it it sort of naturally came up that uh bill would sort of torture matthew the part that I and I, I it just I don't know how I can't even say we came up with it. It just happened. The idea that Matthews nonetheless idolized Bill, I thought was really funny. And mm-hmm. it's nothing we set out to do. It was nothing in the original pitch. It was just something that just happened, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then he kind of fell in love with him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh, yeah, I was just say we 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 also like notice like just going through each episode as thorough as we are like we really like that uh, Jimmy James has a soft spot for Beth for some yeah. Of, like yeah father daughter relationship whatever that it is, also but... might that I think that that got that also like developed organically but there's that episode early on he's thinking about selling the station mm-hmm. and then she gives him something the most important thing to her which is something of very little actual value but the mm-hmm. fact that that made him feel that that sort of was the inception of that you know also jimmy james that character originally uh was if if it was based on if the initial idea was based on anyone it was based on my boss at spy magazine graydon carter who later went on to run vanity fair who was who was larger than life and big and and loud and funny but also just loved that he had this, you know, this business that he did and really loved that. I mean, ultimately, the, the when Stephen came in and did his audition, it was it was so opposite or not opposite, but just different than how I imagined it. But it was so unique and funny because he, he in his audition, he played a little more of the sort of absent minded and like he's got mm. 15 things going on in his head and he's like, oh, by the way, you're fired. But I got what is that over there? You know? <laughs> um, which which really Stephen really made that character what it was. And yeah. then and then that being so funny, we figured out how to write, you know, towards that. So your your former boss never said stuff like, is he wild? <laughs> no, he that was crazy. <laughs> that was that was Stephen. <laughs> you know that uh, that was actually going to be my next line of questioning. What I don't know how many surprises there were, but how of all the characters you wrote, like are are there other surprises people brought to? Because I mean, you know, you think you know what you expect with Phil Hartman, yeah. and Dave Foley. Again, all the people you wrote shit for, yeah. but I'm curious if there's stuff they brought to it that immediately changed your perception of the character. Um, I think being a being a guy writer, uh, uh, going into it, all I knew about uh, Lisa was that she was really smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And at but at the same time, having the consciousness of, I really don't want her character to be what the main woman is in most sitcoms or was at that time, which is the guy who's like, "Come on, you guys, like, mm-hmm. knock it off." You know, yeah. let time to buckle down. And as we as we got to know more and more writing towards this, this person who's so hard on, so intellectually brilliant Mm -hmm. and, but so hard on themselves really made that character something I could identify with and kept her from being just, you know, the no nonsense, you know, woman. Um, I think, I think Joe Rogan, you know, who famously came in was the third Joe Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. Ray Romano. Mm -hmm. And then, the guy Greg from Lee. Greg Lee. He was on he our first episode. episode. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He agreed. He's like, I don't give a shit. That's great. <laughs> yeah. um, he was actually really good, Greg yeah. Lee was. Uh, 
Joe just surprised me because I'd see, I'd seen him on played a little part on a uh, sitcom about baseball players. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You don't have the name of that one on the Not off the top of my head. Might have uh, even been called Hardball, and Jeff Martin from The Simpsons did it. But it was it only went a few episodes. But I remember him being really. But seeing, but Joe came in going like, "I'm a stand-up. Like I, I I've never really acted before." Mm-hmm. But seeing him, like take anything we threw at him and really grow as an actor was really fun you yeah. know um and he and on set i I'm, i don't know if people talk on set joe and andy could not be more different type people joe was into even then mixed martial arts bodybuilding mm-hmm. you know andy was it, it, you could see it if this were a high school joe mm-hmm. would be the athlete you know bully and andy would be the nerdy art you know nerdy theater weirdo but Joe just thought Andy was the funniest thing in the world. And they had such a funny... Like, Joe would just stay to watch Andy rehearse his scenes because he wow. thought it was so funny. Yeah. But then, then then it was like two children. Then sometimes, you know, Andy would be like, Joe said something mean to me. I'm like, he loves you. He didn't say anything Aww. mean to you. And, you know, there is always this fraught dynamic between the two of them. It was like literally in one of the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Probably, it <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. was. Yeah. And it it's also like, plays hey guys, out- you know this, what this looks like? This is what this looks like. <laughs> it also plays out in several commentaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my God. That's, well, I do like, it, I, that is one thing that, that comes up a few times, again, on the commentaries, but like, there weren't a lot of ladies who worked on the show, yeah. but, and I'm going to, I'm going to leave the rest of this for, for, for Jen to ask, Hit but me. like, I, I you know, I mean, I think Lisa's a great, a well-written female character, but I'm a dude. So, Jen, ask whatever you want to ask about it, because I feel like my question's going to be shit. <laughs> I, Give it I to mean, me. first Give it to of me all, <laughs> I feel like Lisa's a pretty good female character. I, I feel like there'd probably be things added if there were, like, a female writer that's like, probably, working on her, too. But Yeah, I think that's know. probably true. Um, and we had some, I mean... We had some female writers and some other writers that didn't work out. Like now, now with my benefit of hindsight, I should have tried harder to find better female writers. But part of it, this is going to sound so weird and lame. <laughs> part of it is the two best female writers I knew were women who I dated and we'd broken up. Um, and they both got on to have fantastic careers. Mm-hmm. But when I think back, like the early '90s, like who are the best female writers I know? They were ones that. So I don't know. Does that? Uh, am I gonna get me too now? No, no, no. no, no, no. But, no. Um, but we should have tried harder to find it. But it was. I don't know. The the other thing is, I do remember one female writer, and this is uh, who I I did have a little bit of an argument with because she I. She objected to something that Lisa Lisa's character did that was that was impulsive or not, whatever. And she said that doesn't that makes her a weak woman. It doesn't show her as a strong woman. And my point was, the bad female roles I see are when everyone's focusing too much on avoiding showing any flaws. Because what makes a character funny? Everybody's impulsive sometimes. The, yeah, what makes a character funny I mean, is the if, flaws. Yeah, if they're constantly impulsive, then yeah. well, you, you don't. Know. Yeah, you don't want someone who's just a tornado of of insanity yeah. um, was it when she threw dave's shirt off herself to give it back to him was that maybe it might have been that yeah i think it was that okay yeah okay that yeah because makes... that did come up at one point really all... yeah on the commentary it, it, I, think so. I think so now i mean okay. is that is that what it might have i might have i probably yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm sure Can't take uh, i want to what other questions do you have jen specifically about like the women characters on the show because otherwise i'm gonna well do you know you guys did we ta- i don't know if we talked about in the commentary but did 
This is perfect. This mm-hmm. is a perfect example of mansplaining. <laughs> mm-hmm. You said, what other characters do you have? And I'm like, uh, you be quiet. I'm <laughs> 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 that happened. But I will say that, uh, you know, there was another can. There was another Catherine before Catherine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's way in the background. In the yes. Pilot. And uh, what we realized after shooting the pilot is that to be to have the character that's in the booth and opposite Phil, you needed someone who was really a woman who was really strong, mm-hmm. who was in whatever way, whether it was, uh, you know, no, no nonsense, but in her own way, like someone who could really come back at him because mm-hmm. Phil is such a force of, you know, excuse me, of life and everything. Um, so, but you know, there's also a weird, uh, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did you guys I, like find it hard to f- to find more ways to use candy? We did sometimes. I mean, candy because her... she's amazing, and it's just unfortunate that she, you know, we just didn't get to see know, her she... on the screen. I know, as and much. then and then her best episode ever is the one that's her departure. she's so brilliant. I though. think I might have had the realization at that point, like God, if we'd written for her like this all the time, maybe there wouldn't have been a departure. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it with Candy is that she is she's a, also a great dramatic actress. If mm-hmm. you've seen her on the corner or any of those shows or any anything that she's done since then and she was never uh as funny as she was she herself never felt super comfortable with comedy she, oh, she's you, so you know good I mean? at she, it i know though. it's one of the sometimes you sometimes people don't see how good they are at it you know um but like i said i thought she was i thought she was great the other thing you know the other thing i always sort of skim over and never talk about out loud and this is almost like I don't have anxiety dreams about this, but this was a constant source of anxiety to the whole time we were doing the show is have this big, which I wanted a big ensemble cast, but I was always so conscious of like, I we got this great story with these two characters and this B story with these three characters and someone's left out this week. And ugh, I feel bad that, that mm-hmm. that person only has three lines. And then you're trying to, you know, come up with something so that they don't feel like i've worked on so many shows since then like working on girls where they're like oh yeah adam driver's not going to be in this episode we have nothing for him and i'm like oh, i didn't realize you could do that <laughs> i felt such a sense of like wanting everyone to have something to do in each episode uh-huh. that um it was it, it, it was weird I, I i think i don't know you look back at on taxi and sometimes you wouldn't see you know louis or well yeah, you I always guess. saw louis yeah you always saw louis but was there a relief when uh, one of the cast members was in a movie and couldn't be there that week? Was it? <laughs> it was always a cha- I, It was always a challenge to. Uh, one, one, I do like that solution we had. The one where it was the Jimmy James, the little uh, <laughs> so uh, t- talky talk box that they carried around, just because that was fun. And and also, the, the network and people were always saying like, you you they work for, you know they work for you. We've paid for them. You don't have to let them go and do a movie. And I was always like, this show is as much as we love it. It's sort of middling along. I don't mm-hmm. want to keep anyone from doing mm, something else Godzilla. they have to do. And then we also good. ended up enjoying the sort of challenge mm-hmm. of, all right, the person's not going to be here. Instead of just pretending that character doesn't exist, how do we deal with the fact that they're away or we only have them for, you know, to do voiceover or, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. So that ended up being fun. I have to ask this because it wasn't that episode was another one where Jimmy James was on vacation. Uh, 
where he said, you want to see a movie about a talking pig? Now, mm. was it Babe, Pig in the City, or was it Gordy? That's the... Uh, <laughs> Alan is that's it, I have been having... I, I think it's Gordy, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we need to know. I can't imagine that it was Gordy. <laughs> I it. feel like it was Babe. Uh, it had to be Babe, didn't it? Babe was so cute. <laughs> was hey, you want to get, <laughs> I, I love this theory. But. I got a good anecdote for you. Remember the episode? I don't know when it... I don't know what the rest of the episode was about, but Jimmy is at home at his house with at his pool with his dog yeah right at the end uh that, that when, one's coming up when bill's or no we just did it pool? sorry when bill's cleaning the pool i think so and yeah. he throws it mm-hmm. yeah so that i must have mentioned <laughs> on the commentary that was my house in bel-air mm-hmm. okay um, i don't think i don't think that was mentioned no maybe it wasn't maybe, maybe i'm thinking of a different one is there one where there's a yellow lab and yeah. he throws the ball yeah. oh yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, so that's, that's the one, one. so that mm-hmm. was my house that was the house that i owned in bel-air mm-hmm. and i sold that house i went moved back to new york in 2000 and i finally got around to selling that house in 2006 and you might know that house from last month. It was on the cover of the New York Times, burning down shit. in the big shit. fires Yay. last month. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Oh, it my. burned down. Wow. Can you believe it? That's insane. Me and my old news radio buddies, Julie Bean and Sam Johnson, like drove up there a few weeks ago. Because mm-hmm. we had so much, of, you know, so much of news. The I wrote the pilot in that house. All of our big parties were in that house. My 30th birthday was in that house. A lot of the first season was sort of written in that house. Um, you know, we, people we, people mentioned that it burned down. They're like, and there's stuff that I can't even tell you that happened in that <laughs> house. Somebody did mention that. Yeah, that's funny. So, so it was actually occurring to me that Phil Hartman wears one of those at the end of, the, and I keep hoping maybe maybe, be. maybe that's the one he wore. There's there's only three or four of them out there. I'll could, just, be I'll just, could be you. 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 <laughs> maybe I'll just buy the rest of them. You know, they're too much. $125 a piece if you guys Really? It's not bad, honestly. Not not for a piece of your favorite TV show. Yeah. I mean, come exactly. on. Exactly. Come on. I mean, okay, there's still Caroline in the city. I, think, <laughs> I actually do think she has Caroline in the city clothing. Now that I say that, I think has she any, does. Has anybody asked for that, though? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there's got to be. Look, if there's, people, if there's people looking for news radio shit, there's got to be someone looking for Caroline in the city <laughs> stuff, too. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> we love it, but not everyone does. So, well, they're wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, you know, we have another fan theory. Yeah. That we're gonna ask you about. Yeah. That might be a was little out of left field. Is it one of my? You have you have numerous, and I think this one was yours. The was Joe it one. Joe. Is that yeah. one? That was yours originally. Yeah. Well, my Gordy one tell, has been shattered. I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull up the fan art that relates to it. Why okay. don't you okay. express this? To Paul? So. <laughs> How, and you can rate this however you like or mm. explain it however you like, but how homicidal is Joe's character? Mm. Because, okay, he invents his own duct tape. He yeah. owns a white van. Yeah. He has <laughs> severe on. rage issues over things that are almost nothing at all. Yes. So, like, how many people may he have killed? And you never maybe need... what would be his favorite method? Definitely I don't... comes from a difficult, violent family. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As we recall from the battling Gorelli brothers. Uh-huh. The time for talking uh, is over. Uh, <laughs> that guy was so funny from. Uh, Great. From Connor, uh, right? Yeah, welcome back, Connor. So good. Boys, the time for talking is over. <laughs> and, and there's like a couple times where he offhandedly mentioned something that happened outside of work and, like, what he did to the person over that <laughs> tiny little nothing thing and you're like mm-hmm. how many people has he murdered i don't know you know a lot of uh, a lot of i don't know if everyone does it this way or just we did it this way especially the first six episodes a lot of it was us just trying stuff sure you, mm. you know what i mean mm. like and especially even doing the pilot 
you know, I, I'd written, I'd had an idea of a guy who was uh, more of a blue collar guy who was not part of the main group because he was the, you know, mm. the electrician or whatever at the station. Um, but beyond that, I didn't really have anything. And Jimmy Burroughs was always, there was some joke in the pilot, I'm sure we talked about in the commentary, where Joe's like, I got it down in my van. And Jimmy Burroughs was like, that's it. That's this guy's hook. That's He's got it in his van. his van. Yeah, okay. And we rode that for a while. And, <laughs> and then, as you know, we rode the your last name is Gorelli joke for a while. Even though so it, it was probably in twice as many episodes <laughs> that ended up getting cut in editing, but it always made us laugh. Joe said that, you probably tried it in almost every single episode, <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, only yeah, made yeah. it in like I think it's probably just three. the smallest amount of. The times. other joke we always tried was uh, that would just make cracked us up so much was whenever there was a big everyone against Dave or something going like you did this, you did this, you did this, and then some character you've never seen before, and you do that, and everyone going. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've always Damn tried it. that one. There's even one episode where you can see, because we couldn't edit around it, a big group scene, and there's this one guy who looks very involved, and then in the next shot, he's, he's gone, gone because we oh had my to, gosh, to cut it out. It's, Let me see this fan art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so just as a heads up, this his name is Joe Galvan. He, oh, I know, he, he gave us, did you, maybe you've seen I this. Think I saw it on... You oh yeah, that? I love that. It's one. amazing. He did also the Dave Hardy Boys one. Yes. Yeah. Dave yeah. Also based robot buddy. Also yeah. based off of Jen and Alan riffing. So yeah. he's he no, also, I love those. I follow, I follow him on Twitter because I think I brilliant. saw it from your guys' yeah. thing. Well, he also gave us like to talk about how Joe's probably a murderer. Yeah. Every time that. Well, he, you know something. Let's like, get, let's go my ears. Let's delve further into this. We never please. We never see him with a girlfriend, do we? No. No. No romantic entanglement. No. Yeah. Just his he brothers. claims to have gone out. No, he was not on a date. He was out with his friend. Who happens to be he flamboyantly, flamboyantly gay. gay. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he saw the, the supermodels but couldn't say more than two words. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> a lot, you know, a lot of this, you know, people, this is, gets back to my dislike of podcasts where, <laughs> uh-huh. where people will talk about, I wanted to do this and that. A lot mm-hmm. of it is throwing shit against the wall and seeing sure. what works. And a lot of it is... Once you've established the character that Phil Hartman is this larger than life, hates Matthew, going, all right, what if we have him do the opposite in this episode mm-hmm. where we see a real side of him and uh-huh. he's compassionate about something? With Joe, it was the same thing. Like, he's full of confidence. What if we see him at a weak point? And he's a, a dummy. What if we see an episode where he's really smart? <laughs> it makes it sound really like just paint by numbers, but it works. But that's I, right. You know, so. and, it's also, that's great. and it's also, it's also like... Let's not forget in this day of prestige television and 10 episodes every year and a half, uh-huh. we're doing 22 or more a year. Mm-hmm. And as writers ourselves, you, you get bored and you and you want to go like, let's have someone be the opposite of what they usually are and mm-hmm. see what happens. Or as many people, I'm sure even in your podcast, have referred to it as the coconut drop from Gilligan's Island. where It hasn't Gilli- come up on the show It yet. hasn't come up. I think it was Josh Lieb who, or maybe Joe who loves classic television who always pointed that out as like, yeah, as he likes like coconut drop. It hits him on the head. He becomes a di- different person for a while, yeah. and then switches back to who he was before. I mean, that's that's the limitation and also the joy of sitcom writing. It seems like you've just put these people in a prison. Yeah, and yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. At some point, you run out of like. I mean, that way it's not. It's. I was going to use the word groundbreaking about the show a few mo- minutes ago, and then that sounded like a real asshole thing to say. But like there are. Oh yeah, things... that's ter- a terrible thing to say. But to I the mean guy it. Who created the show. I, but I mean <laughs> it. But here you compliment yeah. this man. Well, because groundbreaking is an overused word. I was trying to think of a better word. Is what he I doesn't mean. speak for me. It is groundbreaking. It is. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now, now thank I'm you. the dick. I'm the dick. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking earlier when you said like, what if all these characters could just be in this like boring like blank white room, and I'm like, like. 
what would the office be if you didn't like start where you did? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, the, they uh, made it super, super, super yeah. gray everywhere. Yeah. Like, just as a point. That's true. The office is probably closer to my white room theory mm-hmm. than ours is because it's not even radio. It's a paper company. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Um, you were talking about The Office, the show. The yeah, episode. yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't pick up on that for a second. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> you guys got to listen. Part of podcasting is you listen. You don't just talk, you listen. I don't understand. Um, the, uh, uh, I'm a man. <laughs> I, it's, that's very nice to say Yikes. it's groundbreaking. There's a, there is a vain part of myself that, that thinks, uh, well, I'll be modestly humble, go, oh, it wasn't ground, it was just a show. But, what, but I do think at the time, no one since... Taxi had done a show about the work about the workplace, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and it's so that and that's really what interested me. And it really and I just really like I said, the main thing was it interested me and it felt like it was about my life. But I also just felt like everyone watching TV goes to work every day. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and sure. and th- there's got to be something in this that makes sense to people. Well, for and, me, and also like lets off some steam for weird stuff that's yeah. happened to them. They're like, yeah whoa no way like something similar to what like yeah that happened to me with that weirdo at work like never in a million years and that's extra e- funny to me even if ours quickly turned like cartoonish there are other times sure. like as the show that's progressed awesome. it became more like a live action cartoon which i was happy with like to the, me the, that's the, what's groundbreaking yeah, about the, it though the yeah. the implausible you impossible stuff that yeah. Happens, yeah. Yeah. i mean how many it. shows don't do that now there are a ton of shows i mean community wouldn't i mean community also drew from like space and some other really yeah, great shows that i happen played. to love but like i don't know if this was in, but i do know that one of the guys coming on the show wrote for community so i mean yeah. i mean i i can't deny there it has to be in the genes of tv now yeah that there's there's that there's just use cartoonish but also the surreality that was my favorite part yeah. like i said him dying his entire his shit gray <laughs> yeah. when i first saw it, i thought where it was going was that that had actually happened i yeah. didn't know the bit and i'm like because it made me think that the show has a different level that it's working <laughs> on that it made me think that that might physically be possible in this universe yeah and then it's like no the reality is he dyed his hair that's also just eating month, old, <laughs> month old sandwiches and not dying yeah, yeah. right exactly good god <laughs> I don't think left outdoors. It's never established what that crunching sound was. I feel like Spider Chambers is the guy to ask. I, he would know. Has he been on yet? No, he won't. Oh, he knows. There's some, there's some people who don't want to do the show without other people. So does, like, yeah. some some people are like, I'd rather have more people from the show on to uh, do together it. with. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Some people don't know if they have enough to say on their own or don't. Uh, which they do. Themselves. They absolutely do, yeah. but they don't realize they do. Or various other reasons. Spider, like if Susan was employee zero, Spider was employee one because mm-hmm. he was a, like a PA on the pilot. Oh right, yeah. So he was around forever, mm-hmm. and uh, and the beneficiary of one of the many news radio marriages, Spider oh, yeah. and Stephanie Block Chambers, who was mm-hmm. my assistant, they met on news radio. Julie Bean, my best friend, and Sam Johnson, a writer, met on news radio and are married. There's one other one. Who am I missing? Oh, one that ended in divorce, so I won't mm, talk about all it. Right, but it did. It, it started as a marriage, so that's fine. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> how, how often do you see like, a former staff or cast? Um, the writers, a lot. I mean, I live in New York now, and they live here, but... Um, uh, but we text all the time. Especially, uh, the ones I'm closest to are, yeah, well, per- perfect. My phone just buzzed, and that's Joe Fury saying, how's the interview? <laughs> so I, I text with Joe and Josh and Lou and Brian all the time. Julie, 
Bean is my best friend. She was the best man at my wedding, and Sam's one of my best friends. I see them all the time. Um, I see more of the cast. I see more of the most often because she lives in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it, it is weird. It's one of those. It, we've all had lots of jobs since then, but we all. But there is some special bond from from me torturing everyone and making them stay up all night playing video games or whatever it is it is like a second college it's like my friends when i was when i was i got married nine years ago and uh and we're putting together the list of guests i had you know these names of my wife is like who who is you know who's uh chris marshall i've never met him i think he's one of my best friends she's like i have never met this person i'm like it doesn't matter it will always be one of my best friends from being in that you know experience here's a funny wedding story so when i was having my wedding i was trying to get in contact with everyone to come steven root i'm trying to remember who from the show came steven root came maura came joe uh rogan had something else to do andy dick i got in touch with and he's like oh that's so great he's like can i get a plus two i'm like andy <laughs> it's a wedding it's not a nightclub you know and it was, yeah a plus also a plus two oh, so at the at the at the sort of towards the end of the night at the wedding joe fury says come here there's something i want you to see and he took me over to the table you know where you put all the name cards for people to pick up and know what table they're at um, all empty everyone had shown up except one card andy dick <laughs> i talked to a bunch of things like oh yeah i forgot that I like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know but uh it's interesting also i don't think there are any uh like working to get we had arguments and stuff but there's none of them that i that i'm you know don't speak with anymore or, or any of us that that you know don't like to see each other um I'd probably run into, besides Maura, I'd run into Stephen second most often, mm-hmm. just because he's always out and about and working. And because, as you know, we have the same birthday. Mm. Did not know that. Oh, okay, we're not God. stalkers. We're not stalkers, Paul. <laughs> he said. Um, was really? that I don't remember that on the commentary. Was that yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I wanted to break some news yeah, on this thing. So you much. Know? You need those bullet points, those clickable things that yeah. people will be like, I need to BuzzFeed be says. Like, find out one mm-hmm. weird fact. Yeah. <laughs> that the Gordy thing was enough. What is this? Yeah. What do they, what do these two have in common? <laughs> More after the jump. <laughs> did you did you really genuinely not care for arcs? Like, I mean, some of them were the best stories, but did you not like writing them? I didn't. Uh, I didn't because my favorite shows I remember my favorite shows most of most of, uh, most of them I saw in reruns in mm-hmm. some sense oh, sure. and my favorite form of sitcom is a standalone episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the characters but the story starts and ends and there's you know and I also felt like it did, everyone would try to imitate cheers and that I just didn't want anyone to have the feeling like they missed something I wanted people to be able to watch them out of order now having said that there were some arcs that were more arc than I wanted to do, but m- much less than the network wanted. Like the mm-hmm. Dave Lisa relationship, both mm-hmm. the romantic relationship and who was going to be the boss. Mm-hmm. But that to me isn't even an arc as much as a sort of a theme. Sure. You know, you could come into any one of those episodes and know what was going I think on. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and some of our arc stuff, like there, the I think the Lauren Graham Plan B was a good arc. That mm-hmm. was fun yeah. to have someone else come in and throw everything off kilter. I think the jimmy's nephew was not a great arc uh-huh, uh-huh. i can't remember walt yeah uh-huh. yeah i mean that one was just that one felt like the network going like your ratings aren't good what about you had a young handsome dude in? yeah, yeah. And us not having any idea what to do with oh, right. that and also and also not also the the, the 
the anxiety and chaos that ca that causes when you have a cast of whatever it is seven or eight regulars mm -hmm. and then you're like everyone we're bringing in a new person they're like i you know yeah. what about us right um well, yeah that's weird it's it's if you actually did have an arc going like because i know injury that episode had to move to a different season, season. entirely right yeah it was shot like i don't think it would have been able to be injury, shown right? is that but, the one where bill says penis so much i think so yeah, right? yeah. that's yeah, why yeah, it had yeah, to yeah. move yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> injury was based on as you know me hurting my hand when i worked at larry sanders which is still I injured i uh -huh. loved the i loved Everything about the, the, that Bill storyline, I loved. Mm -hmm. That he was saying, which I guess, I guess it was the '90s, and it was a little more shocking. Think about it now. The, it, was just, it was just the word "penis." Come on. But then the fact that he was complaining about another broadcaster <laughs> using the word "penis," the, pay, <laughs> the payoff at the end that he was talking about what was it like a uh, uh, urethral problems or yeah, something that was something completely very, medical. Yeah, yeah. I remember having the phone call with Warren Littlefield, who's the president of the network at the time, and I was like, you know. Uh, he was like, it's an election year, you know, mm -hmm. they look at us more closely with the FCC. I don't know. It was weird. all silly. It was, huh. it, it's okay. so weird now to think that, that that was something that you would have a, a battle over when mm -hmm. it was so mild. You right. Know, yeah. Um, content wise. But whatever. Yeah. So strange. There, there are rumors that there, there was like a, lo a much longer cut where he said it many, many more times. Is there that, were. I mean, were. The, the, okay. that was one of those ongoing you know negotiations where they're like can you take that can you take that which is hard because <laughs> the joke of the episode is how many times he's saying it right you yeah. know i don't know whatever that that one was like a snake eating its own tail in the That's best fine. way i laughed know? like a child when yeah. you said it was hard i apologize <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm hey. so sorry no you, man that's my that's you, my kind of thing i know you <laughs> hired guys from beavis and butthead just because exactly. you like beavis and butthead exactly <laughs> one of whom is doing the show this weekend who chris marshall oh great yeah so that's that'll good. be fun that'll be a good uh, yeah. specifically because we're talking about rocket fuel oh good and then Excellent. we're having the guy who played the rocket fuel rep come on in the same episode wow what who we... like who know you know like he's he's like sure i guess i mean like <laughs> none of the actors remember that i mean obviously why would you you you, you just did 30 episodes yeah. totally different shows every year so it's fun to like get them to jog one of the kids we interviewed him one of the kids from arcade who's like oh your mom's real hot yeah he's a doctor now really yeah oh that makes me feel old <laughs> but, but that's cool wow yes. so he's like in his 30s now uh yeah he has old? to be late late 20s early 30s yeah wow. he to be his early 30s you're right yeah did he have fond memories of he did experience? he enjoyed it. everybody has said yeah i love it like and they'll have specific memories or like one actor or like you huh. know you know it's usually what it is i'm just be... happy he was a child actor and and, and quit a, and yeah. is a doctor now uh-huh <laughs> yeah it's nice uh every every like extra that we've talked to so far like mentions that they felt so included even though they were only there for like a day or, yeah. or a week or or whatever they That's they true. just have specific memories with certain people and just nobody nice. made them felt feel like an outsider no i think it was also because the the and it's something i sort of picked up from larry sanders where the rehearsal process was very loose and everyone and everyone was encouraged they would rehearse with the director while the writers and i were upstairs mm -hmm. and we encouraged them the directors to like what did you run out of tape or is it the i'm just making sure we're good yeah um, we're fine. encourage <laughs> the actors to you know do the script but also 
think of jokes, think of extra things you can do. And then it was fun for us to go down to a run through and see this new stuff we hadn't thought of. Oh, yeah. I mean, the hard part then of being the boss is going like that one worked, that one maybe didn't work, mm. but you make those decisions and then incorporate it into the script. And I think that spirit of improvisation probably when those when guest actors came in they were like oh we're allowed to do this and and everyone was you know really really nice and it was fun was that unusual for that because every that seems to be the thing everybody wants to know now oh how much you get to improv on set but i don't know in 95 was that a thing i feel like it was a little it was a little unusual i mean it was it was interesting because and it is a good lesson i learned from larry sanders is in the rehearsal go go wild and try Mm. stuff and then let the writers watch it and figure out which of those things works and incorporate it into the script when you're doing and but in larry sanders there was some on camera you know improv also but when you're doing it in front of an audience you can't just go improv the way people do in non-audience shows because someone's just left going like what the fuck what what runs my line (laughs) um but i think it was a little unusual i mean now now especially with single camera shows and movies there's so much you can tell there's so much improv and to me, even there are times when I feel like improv is starting to sound like that single camera improv stuff is starting to sound all alike. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah like 100%. Not as, yeah. It's not yeah. as surprising as it was as it used to be. We can blame Christopher Guest for making us all think we could improvise. That is 100%. Yeah. I did tell yeah. Harry Shearer that when I interviewed him. I'm like, you know, really? you, guys are, you guys are the reason for this, right? You're to blame, but also thank you. Like, you know, a lot <laughs> was of Was Harry us... Shearer a fun interview or was yes. he persnickety? No, that's just it. I, I made sure to address that. I'm like, hey, you have a reputation. Let's talk about that and get that out of the way. And then he was fine. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you just have to address that. With yeah. people, that's why I kind of want to have Chevy Chase on that podcast. Just be like, <laughs> just to get the the everybody thinks you're an asshole thing out of the yeah. way, and like maybe we'll have a conversation yeah. about it. You Speaking will. of Chevy Chase, I just watched. The th- <laughs> Sorry, this is totally side, but yeah. the the really great. Uh, I cannot remember the name of it, but the ne- Netflix movie about Feudal and Stupid yeah. Gesture. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Uh, can we talk a little bit about Harvard Lampoon? Because sure. I never, I don't think I've had any. I've had Patrick Verone on. Yeah, oh, I love. And he's guy. a delight, and he's yeah. talked a bit about the Lampoon Such on my other nice podcast. Yeah. But we never talked about it on here. Yeah. I don't know any enough about it. It's just it's one of like yes, okay, they worked for it. They're going to be a big, big um, version in TV. <laughs> Is always the assumption, but I well, don't know what the, the it's was. the organization that you can be a member of that will guarantee that every other comedy writer in Hollywood hates you. No, it's 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 like a, it's a college thing. It's the nation's oldest humor magazine, quote unquote, founded mm-hmm. in 1876. To get on, you write three pieces, you turn them in. Uh, the staff comments, writes comments that used to be they write comments on the back of the pieces. If those are good enough, you make a cut. There's a little cocktail party where you meet everyone. Then you write three more pieces. Then there's another cut. Then there's another cocktail party. Then people vote on whether, you know, they're going to. So there's like a tryout process for Mm -hmm. it. But there was something when I was working at Girls, at one point, Lena Dunham, like everyone who wasn't on the Lampoon, was like, ah, fucking Harvard Lampoon, you know. (laughs) Where's If the Harvard Lampoon's so great, how come they haven't ever done anything like The Onion? Where's the great, you know, and someone else pointed out, like, it's like it's like college theater you know mm-hmm. it's 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 a place where people are interested in that all come together the work they're actually doing there is probably not special because all they're uh-huh. trying to do is make each other laugh yeah but, yeah but um it's interesting from that movie there are the 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 that movie just shows a little glimpse of it which is fairly accurate mm-hmm. i mean it's a, it's i'll admit part of the fun of the lampoon even at harvard is just 
making yourself be an asshole that everyone's going to hate. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why have black tie tuxedo dinners every other Thursday night except mm. for people to go like, you idiots, what are you of doing? Course. And you can go like, ha, ha, ha. Right, know? right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but lo- a lot of my, you know, the, that's my other group of friends who I see rarely but text with every day are my friends from the Lampoon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, of course, on news radio, Josh Lee was, came from Josh, Brian, Lou. I think those are the, all the lampoon ones. It's one of those training grounds where I feel like all the stuff that you where you cut your teeth doesn't ever really see the light of day. Except recently, that book that was like the best of the Harvard Lampoon oh, came out. Yeah, yeah, and this, yeah. Well, that's the reaction I got <laughs> from somebody that I'm like, hey, I read one yeah. of your things, and they're like, you didn't really like that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> they like nobody liked their own shit. I'm still no. I think one of my pieces in that book was the very first piece I wrote in my tryout. I had to try out twice. I didn't make it on the first time, mm-hmm. but in my second try, I think it was called Burger Shed or something, mm-hmm. and it was a piece I liked about a guy working at a burger. It was almost like a Beavis and Butthead voice before for Beavis and I don't remember whatever mm-hmm. I remember turning that in and, and and getting such a positive reaction from the current staff like this piece is the best and I was like I think it's good but I don't know what I yeah it's it's that frustration also of going like wow they love this I don't know what is special about this and I don't know mm-hmm. how to do it again yeah 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 um but you know the the uh people talk about it because about as, as a training ground or that's the next the first step um and definitely a lot of people who were on the Lampoon have gone on to TV. But when you're there, you, you're not really feeling like this is a hoop I got to jump through. And this will it ends up working mm. out that you do meet people and get those connections. But while you're there, it's more about just making each other laugh. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but I think any probably any great any anything that turns up as a turning ground starts as a bunch of people sitting around trying to make each other laugh. Sure. You know, like The Onion or mm. or whatever early saturday night live any of that i will say every story i've heard about the news radio writing setup because i'm frightened of the idea of a writer's room yeah your setup sounded like the one that i would have done i could have dealt with me too to this day (laughs) i and that purely came from me i don't think i'm good i don't think i'm good in a writer's room writer's room the 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 setup where it's like okay page two is any Mm -hmm. you know anybody got it I, I'm a I'm a writer. I'm a self conscious person. I'm not an act. I'm not a performer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anytime I've ever had to do anything that's like acting, I am awful at it, and yeah. I am so self conscious and in my own head. And I always felt like what I like about writers and writing is they're writing. I, th- there are good people that I've worked with who were stand ups before who are much more comfortable in that context. But that's why when we did our rewriting, we never went, let's all sit in a room and grind it away, because it all number one. For people like me, it makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Number two, some of the best writers aren't the most socially adapted at saying their jokes out loud and seeing what happens. And number three, it sort of homogenizes everything into one voice. And that that's still, when I work on things, is often the way, I when, when it's my choice, that's often the way I work is, all right, we got to rewrite this script. You take scenes one and two. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want you to do to them. You take two and three. And also, especially at news radio, also always with the the implicit or explicit thing like you know make the rest make the rest of us laugh like i told you that, it, that what this scene needs but also throw some surprises in there that will mm-hmm. mm. that will just amuse the rest of us and then i'll put them together and take my pass at jo- josh would technically be the one to assemble them all and then take a quick pass and then give it to me and then i would put on the baker boys cd and, and <laughs> scramble to do the next pass and then susan leslie would walk in at 7 30 going like is it done yet i need some time to format this and get it down to the every stage. one of her stories well, was like that. yeah yeah she's well, like super patient and cool about it though she uh-huh. was just like yep it did happen sometimes like that and 
Sometimes this is the time things would happen. <laughs> but I just did my best. You seem pretty yeah. happy about it. Yeah. You know, I, I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think one of the, the, the benefits, I, I mean, the benefits for her was that often the writer's assistant, when you're working on another kind of show, is the one who has to sit there till midnight or one in the morning while everyone's rewriting together. With her, I was always like at 6 p.m. I'm like, go home. We're not going to have anything mm-hmm. for you to even look at until 730 in the morning. Mm. But, you know, come in and we'll have something, hopefully. Right. What do you got in there? Oh, I got, I got some questions for you. Oh, good. All right, let's see. Some of them are... Uh, uh, here's the thing with news radio fans. We're all a bunch of smart asses who think we're the funniest dude yes. in the room. And so this is <laughs> this is me complimenting all of you people who wrote in because I, we're all of a like mind. Like, just tell them we want to know everything. Uh, let's see. Will he <laughs> I ta- saw that one. Will he take legal action against me if my account starts to turn a profit? Oh, Lou Morton asks, why were you a second-tier Doom player? Were you scared? Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he? I told you Lou was the best Doom player. Um, Second tier. That's so much. That's perfectly Lou also, because it's so much more insulting than saying, why were you such a terrible Doom player? Uh Second tier is almost there. I've thought about this for quite some time, and this is what I've come to. Yeah, you had what it takes, but you were found wanting. (laughs) That's funny. What else? Uh, Let's see. Oh. I like this one. This is another fan theory thing, though, so you're going to have to twist yeah. your brain. Was there ever any thought of making Max Lewis, the guy in the mental ward, and the jumper all the same character? That's his theory. <laughs> no, that was the de- that was a definite let's hope no one notices. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah. Because, uh, because, because Lovitz and Phil were such good friends. Mm-hmm. That, which came first, the, the guy in the mental ward? Uh, yeah. yeah. Then, then jumper, then not jump- long after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like, hey, man, he's funny. I have, I'll, I'll show this yeah. to you guys afterwards because it's not very funny for a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the episode where, where Bill gets in the argument with the Starbucks, got with the cop when he double parks outside of Starbucks and gets thrown into the mental ward, yep. remember yes. that? Mm-hmm. So that we shot that on the outdoor street at Paramount. And just last Wednesday night, I was shooting something on that same street. Mm-hmm. And I have a picture of me, Phil, Lou Morton, Joe Fury, Spider, I think all of us, an old black and white picture that Drake Sather took of all of us sitting there. And I went and recreated the picture, but just with me. I love it. On the exact oh, same place. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I love that opening. It's just, it's has so many good elements of like a silent film yeah and just like that's what i loved about it so is that you funny. can it, it, he seems so much more enraged when you can't really tell what he's saying yeah. Yeah. when i was going through my old digitizing those old videotapes i found because often uh I, like i had one of the only video cameras someone had and they said well we need we need something to record phil's something to do audio recording of phil's voice while he's in the car i don't know why but they used my video camera, which I had brought to set that day. Mm-hmm. And so it's the tape. It's about five minutes of Phil, like, waiting to start the shot and just joking around going, this Paul Sims. What the fuck does he have to do? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here in a car while he gallivants about. It was really great. That's a delight. Yeah. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickard, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio, or find everything in one place at WNYXNewsRadio.com. Thanks, Joe.
Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Big day today, Dave. <laughs>